Hey everyone, and welcome back to Books with Spice, please. I'm Al. And I'm Katie, and in this week's episode, we're going to be discussing and reviewing Fox Gloves in Summer by Penelope Daniels. Penelope's been a friend of the pod since we started. She was one of the first people that followed us on Instagram. We found her just as she was starting to promote her books on Instagram. She had already self-published like a couple of her books in 2020, you know, when everyone was at home. Penelope was busy, so she really just likes to write, and she has lots of ideas and stuff, and I think it's really sweet, um, her stories that she tells, and I love how she does a lot of fairy tale retellings, those stories, and makes them her own. Yes, and all of these books, too, that we've done previously, and this one on the podcast of hers, all have a seasonal aspect, so we're doing summertime, and we've done spring and we have also done autumn so we have winter left yes and she has christmas promises she has a a christmas book too so we've got a winter and a christmas penelope daniels books left and we i think we would have read all of her books yes so So. two more and we've got her whole bag list done yep we actually had an episode with her not too long ago so if you want to hear from more from her and get to know her a bit more she's over there as well so this book is a historical romance like the last couple that we've done by penelope and unfortunately i read this on ku before i got my paperback copy in and it doesn't give the page number only locations i don't know how to make sense of any of those locations right kindle unlimited can be kind of finicky Mm -hmm. yeah so i have the physical copy and it is right here. It's in my book sleeve that Libby made me. Well, so nice. I know. I love. Honestly, like that's where I put all my Right. I took that <laughs> thing to the beach last weekend. Had it packed with my pens and whatnot. So it's three hundred and seven pages in the physical book. And honestly, it was such a fast read. It didn't seem like that on KU. Yeah, it was. It's three hundred and seven pages, but I noticed with a lot of. I think all of Penelope's books, the font is a little bit larger, which I I kind of like because it makes it faster to read, in my opinion. It was a fast read. I think it was the fastest one that I read out of all of her books because I read all of them except for Christmas Promises so far. Okay, very nice. Um, Yeah, so I read this one really fast. I mean, Roses in Winter is like super short, but... Yeah, I, I really powered through this one, and um, it was super cute. Yeah, so that leads us to our trigger warnings. Remember, we are an 18-plus podcast. So a couple of the things to know about before going into this book is that there is some physical bu- abuse and a- attempted murder, I guess you could say. So, right. And there is what she's treated poorly and looked down upon for her if, if would we call it a disability or her so there's some prejudice um she is missing one of her legs like from the mid calf down yes but yeah so i'm gonna read the quick summary here that's on the back of the book it is a bit long but let me get going here after losing her leg in an accident when she was eight years old nora seymour has never felt whole Years later, her stepfather's passing and her mother's declining health have left her at the mercy of the Baron Thomas Bradley, her cruel stepbrother, and his callous wife, Josephine. With only her sickly mother and their loyal maid, Helen, to offer any respite, Nora escapes into the secret novels she writes in the privacy of her room. One night, when Thomas's abuse turns violent, Nora flees into the woods for her usual hiding place, the Old Hunting Lodge. Wesley Haywood has spent his life hiding from society events as well as the women who attend them. As the son of the Duke of Harrington, he will want to inherit the title and all the responsibilities that come with it. To spend his days shut up in his workroom with his inventions, Wesley makes a wager with his frustrated father. He must either create something worthwhile by the last day of summer or choose a woman to court at the end of the season ball. Eager to prove to his father that he is not wasting his time, Wesley withdraws to his family's hunting lodge for a little peace and quiet. The last thing he expects to find is an intruder in the lodge, an intruder that will change his life forever. 
And from now on, spoiler warning. So our characters, we've got Wesley and Nora. Wesley is our main mare character, and he is the son of the Duke of Harrington. And Nora is our female main character, and she is the daughter of an earl who died. And then her mom remarried another wealthy man, and then that man has died. So she's living in that man's son's house with her mom. and. It is rough times. Yes, so that brings us to her stepbrother, Thomas, and his wife, Josephine, who Nora's living with, Nora and her mom. They're horrible people. He's awful, and Josephine is pretty much just as bad. Yeah, and the only respite that Nora and her mom have is Helen, who has traveled with them through all of this you know, together. So that's like their family is Nora, her mom, and Helen. And they really are a unit together throughout the book. Family is really important to Nora um, and how Thomas uses that against them through the whole, out the whole book. Yeah. And then there are a couple other side characters that we'll see, but I think that pretty much covers the characters the main characters in this book, who we see most often. Right, because Nora is a servant at her stepbrother's house, so she and she's missing part of her leg, so she doesn't get out much unless it is, you know, super important to help take care of her family. So there aren't that many characters you get. And then with Wesley, he's kind of a recluse, you know? He's shut away with his inventions and stuff like that. So... There's not a whole lot of characters on his end either, other than his footman, Nathaniel, who is, you know, the only other person that Wesley, other than his dad, really cares about, you know? And mm-hmm. so I really love that Wesley, like, has his family unit, too, and the people that mean something to him. Yeah. So, without further ado, should we jump into the deets of the book? Yes. So that talk that you mentioned earlier when you read the synopsis about the wager happens right away and he clearly just wants to be left alone to his studies. He absolutely does not care about inheriting the title of Duke. And we also don't have to wait very long at all in this book to see just how truly despicable Thomas is when he's first brought into the story. He's um, threatening to take away Nora's pen and paper away. If it's keeping her from completing chores, which he has, like, just automatically sees her and is like, oh, it's keeping you from doing your chores. I'm going to take it away. <laughs> we really get a glimpse of Nora's home life. Mm-hmm. I do remember loving how Helen just straight up tells Nora that Josephine's just a common whore and just has so much despise for the woman as well. And Nora's, like, not nearly as open with her distaste for Josephine. Right. I don't think they had been married long. No. No, they hadn't. There was a point in the book, too, where Wesley's like, yeah, this woman's clearly a gold digger, pretty much. Not so many words, but... Right. And so that's, like, what's going on in Nora's side. And then over on Wesley's side, like, the back of the book says... He's talking with his father about um, not wanting to get married. He's too focused on what he wants to do. So his dad is like, okay, well, bet. Like, you got something more important, then prove it, basically. And so that's where kind of he ends up searching for a prize, basically, which I think is kind of odd. Like, that's an interesting way to put it, I guess. Yeah, they kind of, she kind of touches base on that too, what he calls his work when making this prosthetic leg for her. They touch base on that a little bit and have a conversation. Right. She asks him what his intentions are and like, this means to him and like, you know what I mean? It's not just like a goal for him or a conquest. Like he truly is trying to improve and 
better mm-hmm. with his with his invention. So that yeah, I they do have that conversation. Just when I said it like that, you know, like he is, you know, looking for something that inspires him. Is a better yeah. way to put it. He he's looking for inspiration after this conversation with his dad. And that's where they meet up at the hunting lodge. Like yeah. the synopsis says. Yeah, he goes there to focus on work and then she ends up getting hurt by her brother, so she runs away to stay there. She has no idea that's ever been inhabited because it's been mostly just abandoned, right? Pretty empty for the most part. Yeah, like that's... she's never seen anyone there. Mm-hmm, and then she goes there a lot to have space. Yeah, she uh, actually once she ran there, this was last time. She woke Wesley up. He had been sleeping. <laughs> And that's when he does the offer to make her something more comfortable because she was using a crutch at the time. They make their plans to meet up for the first time and they officially make their deal. He notices too right away that there's marks on her arm. And I really like this quote because you can tell right away what kind of man Wesley is. And that he instantly like feels strongly towards her not like in an attraction romance kind of way but he's just this person who is so good and wants to protect others you know and he yeah. says or i i quote the sight of the violent mark on her soft skin made anger flare in his chest like he was mad yeah he knew instantly he was someone to be mad at yeah <laughs> so yeah, then they, like you said, decide to meet, and they end up meeting in Fields of Foxgloves, hence Foxgloves in Summer. And it's so cute. There's a quote. Uh, Nora says, tie your handkerchief to a fence post. When I see it, I shall know you are there, and I'll meet you in the center by the beech tree. Very well, he said, thinking that the plan sounded like something out of a novel rather than real life. <laughs> oh, and you know what? She loves writing stories. So that's so funny. Exactly. I didn't make the connection. I She's love that. got like this romantic view of the world almost. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Because I'm constantly like looking around like that reminds me of a romance novel. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. And that was really cute. He isn't surprised later when she shares his work with her work with him, like he loves it, so. Yeah. Let's see. Also, I'd like to talk about the fact that he pays her for her time, which is super generous. Yes, at like, their first meeting, they discuss what the actual wager is going to be mm-hmm. and how it's going to work. Like, he's, he's making something for her and also paying her to make it for her, you know? She right. She was him. not expecting him to pay her because the the prosthetics like are a thing already but it's like super expensive and you don't see them very often and they're mm-hmm. usually pretty awkward and ugly. so right she wasn't expecting anything too functional and she was not and you know was not expecting to get paid right and it's really cute too because she's like so self-conscious when he first starts measuring her and honestly every time he measures her to determine like how big the prosthetic needs to be it's just super adorable so here's a quote i have she gave him a nod and pulled her dress higher so that a little bare flesh showed above the top of her stocking he didn't seem to notice and quickly wrapped the tape around her thigh his knuckles brushed against her bare leg and at his touch goosebumps spread out across her limbs she hoped he didn't notice that either those moments are what i love about Penelope Daniels is writing. Exactly. Yes, they're so tender and sweet and like ah, so cute. Every moment is accounted for. Yeah, it's very dreamy. I love the like the imagery she has when she's writing. Yes, it's lots of image imagery. So, during their first is when he, like, sees her stump leg up close for the first time. Because he saw it momentarily when she was in the hunting lodge, like, her dress, like, 
flew up and she like covered herself up really quick, you know, and he like noticed. And so when it, when he's seeing her like up close for the first time, she is feeling self-conscious. And so it says, as she clutched the fabric in her grasp, she became aware of just what he was asking of her. He would see her deformity here in the light of day. He'd gaze upon her stump leg. Would there be revulsion in his eyes? And what gets her through that insecurity is focusing on what she'd be able to do for her mother. Nora lifted her dress up to her knee, collecting the fabric around her thighs to keep her modesty. She looked down at her own legs. Her skin was pale and the whole of her right leg was smaller than the other. You know, she's just brave. She's going to do it for her mom. And this is around the time that we learned how Nora lost her leg. And I quote, it was a cart. She said, I was eight years old and some of the farmhands were boating sacks of grain to take to the mill. We had two of the largest, gentlest draft horses I've ever seen. And I used to love feeding them grass and standing on an overturned bucket to pet them. One day, one of the farmhands dropped a sack and frightened the horses. They stepped forward and knocked me off balance. I fell to the ground, and in the chaos, the heavy wheel of the cart rolled over my ankle. Yeah, and it's mentioned that it's not uncommon. Like, it does happen. Yeah, and that it was, like, too expensive, and they thought that the best scenario would just to amputate her leg. The best thing that they could do for her. Yeah. And so I have another quote here. That must have been very difficult for a child. It was, she said, but I think it was more difficult for my mother. She knew what this disfigurement would cost me, and as a little girl, I didn't understand that. I would never call it a disfigurement, he said. The kindness of his words shocked her. <laughs> and what would you call it, she asked, tipping her head a little to the side. A challenge. <sighs> Nora lowered her eyes. Okay, so this is the part where they're kind of talking about it. Okay. Nora lowered her eyes to look at her hands. She wasn't so sure she liked to be thought of as a puzzle to be solved. I'm sorry, he said, seeing the look that came over her face. My father is always telling me I am too much inside my own head. I meant no offense. I simply meant that I do not think you are any less capable because of what you have lost. My favorite hunting dog only had three legs. He cringed at the foolishness of his own words and went silent. He's navigating and trying to figure it out. I like this conversation a lot because I think that's something common for a lot of people. Yeah, it's hard to have conversations with people who have different experiences in life and know what to say and how to say it. Exactly. Well said. But and he like all owns you can do his awkwardness try. too. So Yeah. This is also the time where he makes some modifications to the crutches she's using so that it's more comfortable and adds some padding and stuff and her brother notices and so does Josephine and they give her a hard time about accepting that crutch and that helps because she's not a I quote common beggar right don't they like kick her crutch out from underneath her and she hits her chin on a table and like hits her knees and everything and so she's got like the bruises on her knees and her chin. I can't quite remember, but I would not be surprised. Right. Yes, because that's, she's got these bruises. And when she sees Wesley again, I have a quote. I live with my stepbrother. He's quick to anger and would be furious if he found out I've been meeting a man. Never mind the future Duke. And he thinks another hint to the source of her bruises. If she'd been hurt by an accident, she wouldn't have been ashamed or tried to hide them. It right. sounded like her stepbrother was to blame. He puts it together. Yes, and also, too, Josephine, an example of her horrendous behavior, she tells her at the same time, like, around the same point of the story, she says, I quote, it's a shame you're so disfigured. No one will ever want you like they want me. But you're fun to hit, so I suppose you are good for something. And I was just like, oh, what the fuck? This woman, uh, she's a vile, vile bitch. <laughs> I you're don't fun to like hit. her. 
I was a little shook too that they were just so blatant about it. Like, was really her... disgusting. Yeah, like it really very prejudicedly treat you know whatever she was treated very poorly simply because of her different body. Okay. Yes. This reminds me. It's crazy too because she talks about how her stepfather, who is Thomas's dad, was like the kindest man and. How did Thomas end up like this? It's almost similar. I gotta talk about Kill Switch. No, not Kill Switch. Nightfall. Her brother was abusive as well. Right? You are talking about... What are their names? I can't even remember. Her name... Oh my god. It was Bill... And Emery. Yes. So Emery's brother, I think it was his... Excuse me. I don't think it was his stepbrother, but he was also an abusive piece of shit. And they're like, how did he... How did he turn out like this? You know? Right. Well, but... he's also a cop. A cab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah! So, both these books have horrible pieces of shit as a sibling and it makes me want to do something where we get a stepbrother for the taboo romance where the stepbrother is not a piece of shit <laughs> I am 100% on board with some stepbrother romance I don't think I've read one I need to <laughs> we do we do I've heard so many good things so we gotta find one Somebody oh, give I... us some wrecks. <laughs> we'll read a stepbrother romance and read it. <laughs> or rate it oh. on the podcast. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> back Yay. to the story. <laughs> oh yeah, so he goes to Nathaniel's mother after this um last incident that he notices bruises. Because she has has um a similar experience as Nora is living right now. Yes, and she works in the Duke's home as well, right? With Nathaniel? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's where they both live. And where they have lived, because her ex-husband, Nathaniel's father, was abusive as fuck. And she got them away from that environment and has been living with the Duke ever since. So that's why he goes to her for advice. About how he can help Nora. Yes. So he's trying to get some perspective on what Nora might be going through. And how to help her. But also not make her feel like he's taking over the situation. You know, he really is wants her to have the choice. And he wants to be able to help her. So he's just... He's just looking for, you know, for advice. And it was really awesome that he had someone he could talk to. Because I don't, he doesn't have his mother around. She's not talked about. Mm-hmm. I do like that he also has a mother figure, which is nice. And she basically tells him that there's nothing he can really do for her if she doesn't want his help. And that the best thing he can do for her is be a friend. And just kind of wait for her to ask him right so with that information they end up meeting again after he has his first contraption built and so they sit down again for him to put it on instead this time of instead of measuring her leg they're putting it on this time and I have a quote here says his hands went to her stocking and began to remove it so he could wrap her leg. She made a little sound, and when he looked up at her face, her cheeks had turned scarlet. He <laughs> embarrassed her with his forwardness, touching her without thinking or asking, not even giving her warning of what he intended to do. Wesley cursed his lack of social graces. He had forgotten himself. <laughs> this project wasn't like the others. It wasn't a contraption that either worked or didn't. There was an actual person behind this one and his actions. Though well-intentioned, affected her too. He reprimanded himself silently and swore to be more considerate in the future. 
I'm sorry, he said. I should have asked first. <laughs> oh, so cute. Yes. It is I, so cute. I love a good sorry from a man. Oh, also, let's just talk about the fact, too, that he goes and consults with a doctor on his design. Yes. Okay, so I love the travel to another location to find out more information. Like, he is really <laughs> putting in effort. I fucking love it. Yes, he is working for this woman. And it was just so so lovely and he even not only got advice about the paint or about the prosthetic but he took the time to learn more about how having a prosthetic will affect her and how her life is living with an amputated leg and that he learns about phantom pain so he can go and tell her about those like the, the normal because that was brought up and also he learned exercises that she can do to help her with her phantom pains and yes, teaches her he's giving her PT he's giving her physical therapy to make her leg nice <sighs> and strong he's making sure she's got some stamina built up it is super <laughs> wait what did you say getting the booty <laughs> No, I bet she's getting a booty. Like, she's working out and oh, oh, getting strong. Oh, my God. Why is your book? You're so funny. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it's just, like, super sweet. And he's such a good guy. He's so good. So good. Yeah. So, time goes on. Nora is, like, practicing with her leg every day. And she is writing her novels at night. I have a quote here. It says, she disguised her emotions by giving them to her characters instead, weaving everything together until the story had a happy ending. I like I that. that was- yeah. That's a good quote. One of the other things that he learned about at the um, hospital and school, I think it was, and he went and spoke to surgeons and doctors and stuff. One of the things he learned about was the phantom pain, um, which I, you had already mentioned, but he gives her some help. So here's a quote. After after he's already learned this and he's helping her out, he reached out and took her calf in his hands, working his thumbs along the muscle. Her leg was still wrapped in fabric, and he hoped that his touch wasn't too intrusive. He only wanted to take away her pain. So he's given her leg a massage to try to get, a, get rid of her phantom pain. I think this might be before... He goes, and he's seeing it for the first time, maybe? I just know that I love that part where he massages her her in-pain leg, and I put it as an erotic kink-cultural moment. <laughs> I, put, I mean, because that is a thing, right? I mean, he's helping her get rid of her pain. Her but massage. I don't think it's sexual. It's not sexual. He's no, doing it as a, you know... But it's romantic. It is very romantic. Well, that's part of my Very spice. sweet. The romance is spice. But I don't know if he's intending it to be romantic. Right. But There's it's no part of the things it. that... But, but there are... But it can be... Romantic intentions don't have to be malicious. No, there's no... I never said it. <laughs> I never said... No. Right. No, okay. not malicious. Okay, so maybe, so I'm saying maybe it's not romantically intended, but it is building their relationship. Yes. Right. But I don't think it's a relationship building moment. Okay. Yes. Which is romance. So that's how I'm. I'm just specifying how I. You know, talking about my spice reading and now it's all subjective. Exactly. Right, right. So You and I have different ways of rating our space. Right? Yes. That's one of the things I love about you. And love about us. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, when I'm using this high scale, like, that's kind of the whole romance is on the table here. So, that was, like, a moment that I had marked with my erotic folks moment. It was, like, you gave her the massage to get rid of her pain. So, I love that. See, and I always just do the spice for 
pretty much anything sexual or like yeah he slid her dress aside to get a better look at both bruises and then looked up to meet her gaze from his angle he saw more evidence that her injuries were connected there on the bottom of her chin he saw a small cut with a faint yellow bruising around the edges it looked like it had happened around the same time probably in the same incident that the bruises happened on her knees yeah yeah he's very aware Mm -hmm. oh yeah oh yeah so yeah and then we also learn about this time that she can't just leave his brother's house because Mm -hmm. her mom is sick so she's kind of saving too the money that wesley's giving her because they don't have money to move yeah she's saving that money well she took it to the doctor to try she took it to the midwife to help get a diagnosis for her mom to see what they can do to help her because she got really, really sick at one point. Mm-hmm. And they were going to save to try to find somewhere to rent. But yeah, that's what they're doing with the money. Because they are trying to leave. They figure out with the midwife's help that her mom has been slowly poisoned by none other than foxgloves to keep her sick. Josephine yes. and Thomas don't want nowhere to go. They don't want Nora to go, so they're holding her mom sick in bed. And they use that above her all time against her. Yes. And so, and Helen stays with them because she's always stayed with them. They're family. So, this is when she finds out about the poisoning. Yep, she finds out about the poisoning and she goes back home. She warns her mom, you know, like, to not drink the stuff anymore. And they have this grandmaster plan that her mom, I mean, her mom slowly gets better and is, like, basically fully recovered by the end of the book, right? And or is fully recovered by the end of the book. But um, she, like, recovers and they, she tells, Nora tells her mom to, like, per- hide that she's getting better mm-hmm. so that they don't know and can't, you know, like, try to poison her again. And they can be, when they leave, they'll be ready to go and her mom will be strong enough. Right. And then it's after this is discovered that she goes to his house. She goes to Wesley's house where the Duke himself lives to be fitted for a cast so that he can use that mold more accurately. I love that, that whole scene. When he's covering her leg in the plaster mold. Yeah, and then when she leaves, she trips and the crutch falls down the stairs. So then he carries her down the rest of the way. And this is when they start realizing that they have feelings for each other. Mm-hmm. She's like so, so aware of his touch. And here's a quote. She could feel his thumb softly moving back and forth against her waist. And the sensation was certainly pleasurable to her. Yes, it was. This is when they kiss. They have their first little kiss. She kissed him. So that's another thing too about Penelope's books is that she's she writes female characters who are always the ones to make the first move. Yes, I love that as well. Like her male characters are often like waiting. They don't wait. They're just they're not even waiting. They just love the female character mm-hmm. and when she when the female character shows affection in those intimate ways they are just like oh yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> um, which i absolutely love because i mean like, and eat up everything that she does right and every single time in these books you'll see later on like um, there's only one real sex scene in them, and they're always, like, really sweet, but also a little silly, you know? Every time. Yeah. Oh, right. yes! Oh, my God! The next part I have in my notes is their little makeout section, and I'm talking about that more in the spice segment, apparently. Yeah. And then... Oh my god, the next day they have a romantic picnic and she tells him that she wants to be with him more on that 
in our spice segment. <laughs> no, okay, okay, here, here's a quote. I like to feel useful, and when I see you walk a little more confidently each week, it makes me happy too. Nora realized that the warmth in her chest had never faded. He was looking at her with a sincere expression that she wondered what he saw when he looked at her. He had changed in her eyes, but he had also become her friend. Nora wondered if he thought of her that way too. He's changing in her eyes. Things are moving forward. They're going on that adorable picnic. Yes, and so by this point, she's already given him the manuscript. He loved it, and he tells her that he submitted her book to a publishing company. Yes, okay. Just, I just did it. Like, she was so nervous to, like, let him read it, because only her mom has read her work before, and so she was nervous. She's like, don't read it in front of me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> don't and, wait. <laughs> and now she's she's already, like, got a deal to start. Already has, like, a publishing Mm-hmm. So it was like crazy fast. So she's already got a stream of income. I know. I love it. And then that brings us to kind of our mat last major plot point of the book, the ending. We're gonna wrap it up here. There is the ball that she had been invited to and attends without her brother and sister in law knowing. They got a carriage sent out to her after her brother and sister in law had left and she goes to the ball and is able to walk without her crutch and she's supposed to meet with the duke and wesley in the library at midnight because remember this is a cinderella story when things are like things are kind of odd at the place because like wesley's there and she's there, and I just remember it was just, like, really awkward, and she was, like, going somewhere, and like got knocked over, and people saw her leg, and then she was, like, running away, and then she got knocked over again outside, and her sister-in-law saw her, and it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, but I'm gonna back up for just a second, because before that happened, Josephine tried hitting on Wesley, and Wesley was very aware of who she was, yeah. and, like, he didn't, like, exactly let her have it, but he kind of snubbed her, and it was great. Like, he was very subtle, and she was like, huh. It was, I really loved that part. Yeah, because she's already looking for the next man to marry. Mm-hmm. So she was, like, hitting on him. It was crazy. But yeah, like, her dress lit on fire because of her brother. Her brother saw her. That's why she got, like, knocked over. He, like, rolled a candle towards her, and it caught her dress on fire. It was awful. And then the people were just jerk faces and awful. So she fled. Her brother meets her back at the house. And beats the fuck out of her. And so Wesley doesn't go right after her because he has, like, this heart-to-heart with his dad type of moment. Kind of. And, like, he has to wait until the next day. I was disappointed in Wesley for not running after her so quickly. Like he, I think he apologizes again. <laughs> I highlighted, I I highlighted his probably. I definitely highlighted his second apology. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. He should have gone right away. Dad, be damned. Right, like I mean, meet up with your dad really quick, but then go because he waited till like the next morning. I think. I don't think he slept. But right, still. but... Um, yes. So, he finds her at the lodge. She's completely bruised and swollen and sobbing. He punches Thomas in the face before finding her because he's like, she's off. <laughs> she's gone. And he grabs her mom and Helen and he's like, Let's go to the carriage. You guys are going to come stay with me now. And they have a little happily ever after. Yes, he has a, a place for them to rent. He doesn't offer her to like live with him. He offers them to move into a property that is available on their estate lands. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Either way, they're saved and they're rescued from that horrible situation. Thomas is like punished. Um, 
my yeah, and then we get our epilogue. It's a five months later, and it was really adorable. They're little teasing one another, and he like teases about getting to work on making their airs. <laughs> yes, it was so cute. I love that his dad just wanted him to marry for love. Like he just wanted him to get married, even if it was for love. So it was never like. You know, you can't marry her because she's not blah. I mean, even though she technically was because she was an Earl's daughter or whatever, but, you know, like, there was never that conflict with his dad. Right. So that's the end of this book, and I think that brings us into our spice rating. Yes. So let's start with S for sexual tension. What were your favorite tension moments? Okay, so I have like three little quotes. One, the first being around their makeout session, and it says, I quote, No, close wasn't the right word. He wanted to be with her, joined body and soul, connected immediately, vulnerably, and perfectly. And then another quote I have is when he says to her, I quote, You have witchcraft in your lips, he said in a whisper, repeating the line from Shakespeare. And then finally, I put, I quote, his hand mirrored his mouth and trailed a path up her waist so gently smooth over her breast. A breathy sigh escaped her lips, and for a moment, it was as if she hadn't realized the sound came from her own throat. Yeah. So, like, there's not a whole lot of sexual tension. I think maybe, like, a one or two out of five. Right. With this book, it's more of, like, their needs are sexual or attracted to each other in that way right off the bat. Right. It's and it not really kind of happens. Like it right. builds up but there's not a whole lot of tension and pining, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I have a quote here that I label for sexual tension. It might be a little bit different of a goes Nora had told him that the Baroness was cruel and he felt certain that she was among those who thought Nora grotesque. That wouldn't do. His latest prototype had been functional, but Wesley wanted the next one to be beautiful, just like the woman who wore it. He's got that attraction. See, I feel like attraction you fall under this category as well. Yeah, and it and it creates the, you know, he's he wants her to have pride. Yeah, feel comfortable. He's a good, yeah, like he's supportive and. Then that brings us to P for penis slash pussy. I use this to kind of like rate the descriptors of genophilia or, you know, how they're feeling, how they're mentioned in the story when we're talking spice. And there's a couple moments that I wrote down, like little hints of descriptions. Okay, and what'd you get? I quote, the feel of his firm body poised over hers that her mind spitting with possibilities, the anticipation of each seeming to pool between her thighs. I think I forgot to write down thighs. Or her yeah. legs. Yeah. And then there's also the description as throbbing center and manhood is descri- used to describe. So it's okay. not bad. It's not bad. Yeah. It's pretty what? clean on the cleaner side. Two out of five. For sure. Okay. So that's. I need to be looking more for those kinds of phrases than that I need to be tapping because I barely ever use, I don't even, there aren't any in line for penis pussy. And I want to use those more. I want to have an excuse to use more tabs. Like the word cunt used? Tab. Yeah. <laughs> I need to be, yeah, I think I need to be any words that describe genitalia or the region of genitalia. Right. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's why monster romances are really fun to use. Tab, right. this tab for but but even but even for this tab like i still don't use it i think at all like i don't use it at all so i need to i need i like the way that you said the phrases that were used to describe those body parts i think that that is an interesting point of note and i will be using that in the future yeah it kind of took me a minute to work with this section of our spice scale and to figure out how I wanted to use it. But, you know, I don't know. It works. But that's smart. Thanks. 
All right. That brings us for I for intercourse. So they only have sex once. They made out that one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shortly after that, they have their sex. And um, I have a quote here. Wesley, she said, her voice no louder than a whisper. I want to be with you. Truly, he asked, understanding her meaning. <laughs> Truly, darling. Yes. So, okay. I got another titty quote because, like, the last time we recorded, we don't talk about the titties. <laughs> yes. All right. Bring us some titties. So, it feels wrong using that word to describe, I don't know, this book. But anyway, I quote He took her breast in his mouth again. And this time, his fingers didn't tease her thigh. They moved straight to the center of her pleasure. I quote, I barely slept last night thinking of you like this, he said, his voice husky and breathless. I didn't sleep well either, she said softly, for the same reasons. Yes, so there's definitely some tension, I guess, right there in that moment for those two. Yeah. Um, And then there's, please don't be embarrassed, he said with another soft chuckle. You seem to enjoy looking at me. Why should I not enjoy seeing you as well? Yeah, exactly. You know what? Yeah. Also, okay, this was really cute and hilarious. So there's fingering and oral. I love that he made her come first. Quite the gentleman, even more so than he already was. And I adored that he revealed that he learned how to pleasure a woman when he accidentally found a book on it. (laughs) When he was 16 years old. I love that too. So, oh. okay. Wesley is not nothing but an educated man. He really is in all <laughs> fields. It is really wonderful. It is. Condom. Mm hmm. I just. He's prepared. He's prepared. And he was just quite the man. Lovely. I quote Nora suddenly realized just how much she'd not considered in her fantasies. Even before she'd ever met Wesley, she contemplated this act in her mind. If she ever did marry her husband, he would only come to her in the darkness. Surely any man would prefer it that way, to make love to her only shrouded by night in order to, if only for that moment, ignore her disfigurement. But now it was broad daylight, and Wesley didn't seem to have any intentions of stopping. Yeah, he's the man. He's absolutely the man. I've like, never seen anything as beautiful here. as you, he said, looking up in time to see a pink tinge rise to her cheeks. Why did he always say the most wonderful things? You know what? Yeah. Wesley, damn, he is rough, man. <laughs> um, also, so, I do want to say one more thing for the intercourse part before we leave the eye section. Well, I've got some more, too. So Okay, okay, okay. Go ahead. No, you keep going. I was just going to bring up the part where Nora accidentally overhears her brother and Josephine having sex. And then oh, okay. they tell her to get out. Right. She's a little bit too old. And she continues to hear Josephine's moans and shrieks. So that's another like sexual moment. Which yeah. is kind of... It doesn't... It's not a common thing to have sex mentioned in Penelope's books outside of that one-time relation. Right? No. Well, so no, because in Snowdrops, she was, Aurora was out, separated from everybody. And then Jasmine and Autumn, she had gone to the uh, Jasmine farm. And the perfumery. Yes, and so there wasn't really a whole lot of co-mingling right. in that one either. And then in Roses in Winter, it's Beauty and the Beast, so she and the Beast are really the only ones there, so there's really no outside sexual interactions either. So this is really kind of that first story where there's other characters that are like the evil characters living in the house, and it makes you uncomfortable. I just thought that was interesting. Yes. This might be a little... There's- a little bit spicier out of the books I've read by her. One of the spicierest, spicierest. I don't know. 
you could compare their sex, how it's different from each other. Like, Nora and Wesley's sex, you know, being tender and passionate versus, like, Josephine and what's-his-face's sex being, like, loud. Wild and... and Aggressive or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have another quote here for intercourse. Her legs spread a little wider as if her body was acting of its own accord. When he ran his finger lower, she was surprised to feel the wetness between her legs. Embarrassment rose in her, and she tried to bring her knees together again. Oh. Don't hi- don't hide it, he go- coaxed. You don't have anything to hide from me. <laughs> oh, so sweet. He paused only to make certain she was comfortable before he moved his hips, wetting him with torturous motions up and down her slit. Then, just as she was about to beg him to enter her, he pulled back and reached for his coat pocket, retrieving something from inside. This will prevent pregnancy, he explained. (laughs) You're like, bro, just stick it in! (laughs) You're ready! (laughs) You've been waiting. She laughed. Which I love about Penelope's sex scenes. They're funny. Like, they look, these characters, you know, they're not afraid to laugh at each other. Um, It's, like, I feel like that really makes the scene. She Um, writes them very, very well. It's, like, very, like, realistic, you know? Um, She squirmed a little beneath him, wanting the primal heat to return to his eyes. Oh, my gosh. You're even more beautiful when you are wanting, he said. Oh my god, yes, I had that quote written down too under communication. I love it so much. Yes, so let's much. move on to communication. Okay, so see for communication. You want to repeat that quote? It's so good. It's one of my favorites. You're even more beautiful when you are wanting, he Like, said. wow. <laughs> wow. Wesley. I also mm-hmm. have Fill me, please. I need you. Yes. Love that. Okay, I've got some more C for communication, but it's not sexual. Share what you want. (laughs) I'm only clumsy when I'm around you, she assured him. Then I'm glad I'll always be here to catch you, he replied. Ah, swoon! He's so (laughs) swoony! I love him. I hope you know you've become so much more than a wager to me, he said. The look in your eyes is all the satisfaction I need. Wow. <laughs> oh, he's God so damn, he's just grill. Ugh. Yes. Okay, let's see here. I've got another one. I'm sorry, he said, blushing and stopping his hand. I suppose I should let you do this. Love a man that apologizes. Yeah, that's your second <laughs> apology quote. There you go. You this is my it. other one. This is his third. This is this would be a third apology because this apology was for when he was making the cast, and he just started like cleaning up her leg when they took the cast off. Oh yeah, yeah. He's just like washing her leg, and she's like, um, and he's like, oh maybe, maybe not. I, <laughs> I think that's all I have. I've never seen anything as beautiful as you. Yes. But that's all I have for communication. I think communication in this is 5 out of 5. It's fantastic. I quote, I hope you will work very hard for yourself, he said. But please, don't overexert your leg. I already know you. Your life isn't the easiest. Sometimes I worry that it asked too much of you. So kind and considerate. So that brings us to E. Erotic kinks and tropes. Yes, what do you have? Um, not very erotic, but it's a very super tender and lovely. They are both virgins. Yep. And Loki gives off who did this to you vibes. Yes. So, I've got the romantic meet me in the field vibes. Oh, it's a Cinderella trope, too. The massage the leg. The leg massage for her pain, help her injury. And then I've got that they were virgins. Here's a quote from them losing their virginities together. Wesley, I've never, I don't know how to, 
he lay down beside her and let his fingers trail lightly up her stomach and lazily circle her breasts. You please me already, he said, smiling down at her. But if it give you any confidence, I've never done this before either. So beautiful. And then Nora gasped at the fullness as her body stretched to accommodate his size. Wow. Yeah, that's a good quote. Yeah. For an instant, there was a tinge of pain and she closed her eyes. He's still watching her face until it passed. So. I like those quotes. Those are good ones for this lost section. Her virginity. Yeah. yeah. So, that was that. So, would you, how would you rate Wesley? Is he both boyfriend, husband, or daddy? So, oh, okay. So, he's a book husband. Okay, listen. I think he's absolutely a daddy. Really? Yes. Absolutely. The way he takes care of her, the way he encourages her, and thinks of her, and, like, works for her, and, like, I think he's a daddy. Gives him a little okay. bit more age. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's that, I don't know. But I think okay. he's daddy material. Just like how we said Fallon was daddy material, I think Wesley is daddy. Interesting. Yeah, like, I, I know it's very just... sweet and tender, but also this man is cock here, and he's daddy. He's absolutely daddy to me. Okay. You feel comforted and taken care of by his presence? Yes. Absolutely. 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 That's nice. He punched another man. Gives those key who did those key vibes and isn't embarrassing about it. Doesn't like tackle ya, you know? Doesn't crush mm-hmm. ya. He keeps it he on his mind is, and keeps yeah. an eye on it. He's daddy. Wow. I'm happy for you. <laughs> he is not a daddy for me, but definitely husband material because he's way more than a boyfriend. Oh, yeah. What do you think the overall spice rating would be? Oh. <laughs> uh, one. Yeah, I agree. A one, maybe, maybe one and a half. Maybe one and a half, yeah. But, yeah, because there is descriptive sex. And I, some novels are romance novels and they don't have any descriptive sex at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not graphic and, or poignant or raunchy in any way. Right. And it's not all entirely paperback black either. So. And I've got that teasing, like, got to make some errors because Savannah's daddy. He's got, yeah, he's daddy. Uh, yeah. So daddy. I agree. Like, one. Um, <laughs> and then what did you rate in the star rating for this book? I gave this one a five. I think it's one of my favorite books by her so far. I really, really love both the other two, especially Snowdrops in Spring. Mm-hmm. But I think this just had me feel more intensely. You know? There's more, yeah. And I think I just like these two characters and their dynamic. I don't know. I love Leslie. <laughs> Yeah, Wesley's great. Uh, he's so good. I gave this book a four stars. I loved it like you did. And I think the only reason why I was going to knock a star off of it, because I definitely think I would read it again. So I, it's like on the verge of being a five star. Throughout the book, her stepbrother is like evil. Like, you know, beats her up occasionally. And like, I feel like his beating her up like was really intense at the beginning and then in the middle of the book his his abuse like isn't talked about as much and his, and then there's big scene like right at the end and I felt like I wish that there had been like maybe he burns one of the prosthetic legs or like chops up her uh crutch at some point like I just felt like there could have been like a little bit more evil at one or two points you know what I mean like I you wanted of, more drama I wanted a little bit more from the stepbrother okay at one point or two like I was like you know when she gets back at from one of these things like he does uh abuse her one time when she gets back but I felt like it could have it could have been more or it could have happened more often or something and I was like waiting for I was waiting for him to, like, burn one of her legs. 
Oh you my know? god. I was waiting for that moment where he just throws it in the fire. Because it's like Wesley was making new ones, you know, so it's not like it wouldn't have been huge, but it would have been a setback. So it was I don't know. But yeah, I I absolutely loved it. Me too. I know she has like a work in progress going. She shares her little quotes from sometimes, so Yes. Even more reason to go follow her on Instagram. <laughs> She's a busy lady, so we're lucky if she gets another book out too. Yeah. I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode of Books with Spice, please. Thanks for listening and join us next Tuesday when we read Earth Fates, the fifth installment of the Zodiac Academy series. Yes, we are live on Instagram some Friday nights for Friday Night Spice at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. When we talk about our podcast and other focus events that we have going on. Like our read along We'll post about those too and like big content around the themes of our read-alongs that we do. So follow us. <laughs> Keep an eye on that, yeah. <laughs> Be sure to like, comment, subscribe. You can also find us on TikTok, Facebook, anywhere you can find podcasts. The WeTube and YouTube. Until next time. Stay, stay spicy. spicy.